Hey, this is Taylor Gray, Ezra Bridger from Star Wars Rebels, and you are listening to the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. Taylor Gray and Ezra Bridger say out. Ezra, please get out of there! I can't do that. Podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and we are recording this episode on Wednesday, July 14th, 2021. All right, so we are back and uh, back from a long break, actually, and I am joined once again by my good friend and co-host, Master Tom Howell. Tom, welcome back. Wow, what you've done to this place. It's been so long since I've been in the Jedi Temple archives. There's some new paint. Uh, Some of the busts have been uh, spit-shined. It is gleaming in here, and I'm always happy to be on the Jedi Temple archives podcast. Yes, I'm uh, I'm a professional bust polisher, so uh, glad that that expressed itself through the uh, the look and the sheen of everything here in the archives. But So yeah, we are uh, getting ready and and actually in the process of uh, recording episode 66 and what better topic to to talk about today than Order 66. Uh, We have already experienced the fact that uh, Palpatine clearly does not want this information getting out to the galaxy with some technical issues early in the recording here. But uh, Tom, are you ready for this? I think so. This is like take 66 of our Order 66 episode, (laughs) isn't it? So uh, yeah, I can see. I think... uh, you know, maybe there's some Sith working in the background, not wanting to get this information out there, but we're going to do it because we are the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. That is correct. And before we jump into the main topic, I do want to take a moment to uh, give a shout out to Ro at the Scarif uh, Scuttlebutt podcast, who threw his third annual uh, Scarif Con in Chicago uh, at Alley Cat Com- 
Comics, who they've been a wonderful host these past three years. And it was a great time. We had a lot of members of the Red 5 Network show up. We had some great guests traveling from out of town, including Dominic Pace, who is once again crisscrossing the country on his Support Small Business Tour. And uh, you know, I've known Dominic now for a couple of years. He, uh, he played Gecko, the bounty hunter, in season one of The Mandalorian. Just a great guy, totally down to earth, uh, works his butt off, and it was a real pleasure seeing and getting to spend some time with Dominic again. So uh, big shout out to all that attended. And uh, again, it was a great event in Chicago. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I being located out here on the West Coast, I was uh, not able to quite get out there to attend, but glad you got out there. The pictures on social media from several people that were involved, not only the various hosts from the Red 5 Network, but uh, lots of the people that uh, came out there to enjoy it all. Uh, they looked great. looked like you guys were all having a blast. And it's just great to see the community getting out and interacting again after, you know, us having to struggle to be have the ability to do that over the last 16 months or so yeah and we're actually seeing you know everything seems to be opening up uh clearly there's still some places overseas that are struggling uh and there are areas here in the united states that are still uh dealing with a bit of a struggle but more and more we see things opening up and it's just great to be able to get back out there i know we're looking forward to connecting with you and michelle down in uh, florida hopefully uh september october Hopefully so. I, I believe that that's going to happen. Unfortunately, we had a little missed opportunity in June, yep. but uh, we are planning to get out there uh, for Walt Disney World's 50th birthday celebration and uh, more importantly, get out there and finally see uh, you and your lovely wife, Kim, again, because it's been way too long. That's right. That's right. And well, I'm sure we'll spend a little bit of time in Galaxy's Edge as well. I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive right into Order 66, which uh, you know most of the fans of the films are going to be familiar with Order 66. Clearly, the master stroke of the Sith getting back at the Jedi after a thousand years of plotting, and uh, the vessel of that revenge turned out to be uh, Emperor Sheev Palpatine, who uh, was also known as Darth Sidious. So. Uh, his his master stroke was really kicked off by the execution of Order 66. And really, when you get into it, uh, there's a lot of interesting components to that plan and kind of how that was used to uh, to strip the Jedi of their position within the Republic and uh, ultimately wipe them out uh, or close to. And the Jedi Rebellion has been foiled. And the yeah, we talked about it many times about how uh, Palpatine, Darth Sidious, played the long game throughout this to accomplish his goal at the end. And this was one of the key components of the long game for sure, you know, planting uh, this chip within these clones. You know, one, knowing that they would assemble this clone army, waiting to get it built you know, putting all the pieces in place for the Clone Wars themselves and then getting to that end point of what we will be talking about here, Order 66. Yeah, and uh, mainly the the way that that really came about was, uh, and this kind of ties into the fact that Darth Tyrannus, or Count Dooku, uh, as most people knew him within the Jedi Order, uh, was good friends with Jedi Master sifo early on in their time as a Jedi, and this is kind of covered within the uh, the Jedi Lost, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost audio 
audiobook um, that was uh, put out a little, uh, probably about a year ago at this point, and that really got into that relationship between Sifo-Dyas and Dooku and the fact that uh, Sifo-Dyas had had a vision, essentially, of, of a potential future where the Jedi and the galaxy were at war and knew that they were going to need an army if they were going to be able to do their part to defend the Republic, and uh, Dooku was privy to that knowledge, and that was something that uh, I figure had to play into the the decision by uh, Sidious to make Dooku his uh, his Sith apprentice after Darth Maul, and to kind of leverage that knowledge for the the purpose of creating this Grand Army of the Republic, and also in uh, injecting or introducing these inhibitor chips, these behavioral modification chips into the clones uh, that ultimately were used to trigger Order sixty six down the road. Yeah, and they, they sold it on the Kaminoans, the ones who created the clones, essentially sure. the cloners. Um, they sold it as, look, this is just going to be to handle rogue Jedi, yeah. not necessarily going to be to wipe out the entire Jedi order. So, you know, they could kind of go along with it. It, it, it. You know, no matter what you've thought of the Kaminoans and, you know, on what side were they playing? Were they just playing on their own side? You, you had to understand, look, they to sell this thing, you kind of had to let them believe one thing was going on but we we've known for a long time that uh, both both Palpatine and uh, Dooku were pretty good salesmen at trying to get a, get what accomplished what they wanted to do and that's part of the reason why Dooku was brought in by Palpatine uh to be his apprentice yes uh, you know he 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 had this knowledge with Sifo Diaz but also the fact that when we got to this point within the long game that Darth Sidious was playing here, uh, he was going to need some sort of a diplomat kind of person to kind of rally some of these systems to his side. Yes, you know, he was a, a very strong warrior, uh, you know, very masterful within the force itself, but he was also a politician more than anything else, and he was able to go out there, attract these various different systems, and build this war that uh, ended up becoming the Clone Wars. Yeah, and it was interesting because, you know, Dooku was kind of a rarity amongst Jedi. Uh, he knew where he came from uh, based on the events of of Dooku Jedi lost. He had actually undertaken a mission out there to Sereno, uh, kind of uh, just as a as a Padawan at the time, and come across his sister, who uh, who was kind of who clued him in to the fact that he was a, a count uh, or the son of a count at the time, and so he knew more about his his family and his upbringing than most Jedi Padawans would. And and kind of this goes to that whole argument of you know. Should they know where they came from? This is why they were taken from their families at a very early age. Uh, and so that created some conflict within him. He had this relationship with his sister. He had this uh, this sense of belonging to this family. And uh, that was where he went after he left the Jedi Order as one of the Fallen 20 and, uh, you know, this is where he basically took his station and, and started that separatist movement under the under the hand of Darsidious. Yeah, understandable. I, you know, when you actually know your backstory, know that you have family out there, know that you have this history, uh, of course, you're going to want to explore it. And the fact that you know, it's one of the things that we've discussed many times on your show here is that, you know, Sometimes the, the Jedi Order, not sometimes, actually often, they got a little bit arrogant. Maybe they got a little bit too wrapped up in their own concerns and didn't let uh, some of these uh, Jedi uh, be individuals, per se. And it came back to bite them often. 
Yeah, uh, the other interesting kind of tie-in with uh, regards to Sifo-Dyas specifically was that after he had commissioned that clone army, he was uh, basically assassinated by the, the Pike Syndicate, and we've talked about the Pikes on this show before, uh, but that was at really the, the planning and the behest of Tyrannus, uh, uh, a.k.a. Count Dooku. So, uh, you know, they basically had him set up this clone, or, clone army, uh, unbeknownst to the Jedi Council, and then killed him off so that they could overtake that clone clone army implant these inhibitor chips uh program these clones to basically perform or execute jedi uh, when order 66 was carried out and all of this was largely unbeknownst to the jedi order except we end up finding out in clone war season six uh, right there at the beginning that there was uh, at least one instance where these chips failed there was a defective chip and uh, one of the clone troopers unwittingly and really out of his control ended up killing his jedi master jedi master tiplar uh, and that was uh, clone trooper tough jedi Good soldiers follow orders. Hey, top! On your right! Top! Now! Sister! And so, basically, there was a... a investigation undertaken to determine what had happened and why he would do this uh and another clone trooper named fives uh was uh, unhappy with the fact that they said it was just this defective inhibitor chip and uh undertook his own investigation yeah i mean at first they were saying it was some sort of tumor essentially right. you know and that that's what it was if not they not even knowing that it was this chip that he was ill there was some sort of tumor uh that he went in there and and got the aid of i'm i'm sorry i'm i'm blanking on the droid's name right now but oh, a medical yeah, droid yep. can help him out um to remove this chip from his friend and find out you know or at least remove the tumor thing, hoping that that would help him help him be better and then the more he delved into it the more this was strange the more that you could see that there was a cover-up uh going on and uh it really it was a really really fascinating uh uh, run of episodes for sure yeah uh certainly and and it was really one of those things that triggered uh, a lot of emotion because up until then we just thought you know order 66 got carried out the jedi never had a chance they never knew anything about it in this particular case they came very close to uncovering the truth behind these inhibitor chips and the plan that that uh emperor palpatine had had or at the time supreme chancellor palpatine uh, had in the works and what was really kind of ultimately their downfall was the fact that they entrusted the information or, or this chip and all the data regarding it to uh to palpatine himself uh as the jedi were wont to do given their relationship with the with the republic and uh you know he was able to get rid of the evidence and essentially keep them from finding out about his master stroke yeah, and Fives came, went back all the way to Coruscant with the chip and everything, went there and was meeting with Palpatine, and essentially Palpatine faked like he was trying to kill him, mm -hmm. trying to assassinate him. Now, Trooper, what brings you before me? The chips, Chancellor. Chips? These were removed from both clone troopers. Clone Trooper Fives claims they are the cause of the problem. Those are inhibitor chips, which are placed in clones to make them less aggressive and more compliant to orders. I tried to explain to this clone that they are placed in them for his own good, but he removed his chip nonetheless. Our own good? 
This thing they put in us malfunctioned in Clone Trooper Tup. I removed his and analyzed it. There were signs of rapid decay. And we're positive this has nothing to do with the virus? No. We still do not know for sure what caused Trooper Tup to kill. We only know that his chip failed, and now this clone has removed his own chip, which makes him a risk to himself and others. I'm not at risk. Sir, they're covering something up. I know it. If it's not them, then it's a Separatist plot. They use this chip against us to make us more violent than less. That's why Tup killed General Tipler. A Separatist plot from before the war even started? That seems unlikely, don't you agree, Master Shakti? It does, Chancellor. It seems very unlikely. It is absolutely impossible. What we have here is a single malfunction to one clone's inhibitor chip caused by a virus, Separatist plot or not. Perhaps it would be best if Clone Trooper Fives and I discussed this without your presence. Chancellor, I must object. Please, Master Jedi. Trust me, I will not be alone. I have my security here. I want this soldier to feel he is having a fair say in this matter. Fives goes running off and you know it seems like the whole world he has all this knowledge now he knows what's going on he knows how crazy this is but this is what's happening and he's you know meets there uh with anakin with uh, captain rex trying to explain everything that's going on but it, it sounds like the maniacal ravings of a lunatic unfortunately because really hard to believe um but he was spouting out completely the truth, and unfortunately he was taken out uh, by some other clone troopers before uh, they could really get in and really talk to him, settle him down a little bit. They were going to bring him in and talk with him more, but he was killed. What are we here for, Fives? I need your help. I know you do. We know you're not well. It's been rough for you these past couple days. I'm not crazy! Please, please, just... Yeah, what I have to say. We're here to help you, Fives. Just come with us. Let us take you back to the temple. I just need you to listen to me. Please. I'm not really sure we have any other choice. I was framed because I know the truth. The truth about a plot. A massive deception. By who? Well, there's a sinister plot in the works against the Jedi. I have proof of it. I can prove 
that everything that I know is true beyond a shadow of a doubt! Show me the evidence. The evidence is in here. It's, it's in here. It's in all of us. Every clone. What is it? Organic chips built into our genetic code to make us do whatever someone wants. Even kill the Jedi. It's all in here. Let's just get you some help first. Then we can review everything. It'll be okay, Fives. We'll sort this out. Uh, you don't believe me! We're closing in on the target. Everyone get ready. Fives, we are listening to you. We only want to help. How do I know you're not tricking me? How do I know it won't be a trap? The Chancellor would try to kill me! I promise you that! The Chancellor? He's in on it! I don't know to what extent, but I know he orchestrated much of this. He told me in the medical bay. He told you? When you tried to assassinate him? You have gone too far, Fives. The Chancellor is incapable of what you claim. He is! I swear to you, General. You have no idea. Stand down! Stand down! did get passed along to Anakin to Captain Rex it didn't go more than oh he's a sick person he's flipped out he must have the same thing that Tufts had uh, so th that's why this has all happened but we do know moving on to season 7 that maybe a little bit of that <laughs> knowledge from Fives sunk in yes absolutely uh, and you know kind of the other thing about Order 66 that was uh, you know part of the master stroke of Palpatine was that prior to executing Order 66 he had to create a situation where not only did he weaken the connection of the Jedi Order with the Force which he did by introducing this huge galactic war and bringing them from being peacekeepers into actually acting as generals and leading these troops uh, but he also created scenarios where uh, the Jedi ended up taking the brunt of the blame when things in the war would not go well if, if there were massacres on planets or uh, you know planets fell to the separatist movement. It was all part of a campaign to kind of uh, discredit the Jedi Order with the general populace of the galaxy, and that's what fed into him being able to convince the galaxy that, in fact, the Jedi had tried to execute him uh, when, in fact, they were just coming to arrest him uh, after Anakin discovered that he was, in fact, a Sith Lord. 
Yeah, I mean, they worked hard to to make the, to make the Jedi do what was contrary to what their beliefs were supposed to be, and they show that out there uh, within the public, uh, the populace, and we see a little bit of that in season seven of the Clone Wars too, about what some of the general public thought about the Jedi and how they were acting out there and how they weren't there to defend the regular populace. They were only out there to defend mostly politicians and, and keep their standing in the world. Yep. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where, you know, it was not enough just to try to wipe out the Jedi order. He needed to have, uh, you know, basically the support of the galaxy and being able to convince them that the Jedi were actually not these, these force, this force for good that they had been for for generations uh so he killed them not only physically but he killed them within the eyes of the public as well mm -hmm. one other thing that i think is a real tragedy involved with this and of course um you know getting to revenge of the sith uh watching order 66 take place and also within clone war season seven as well and and seeing the the jedi being uh systematically assassinated essentially by you know, the people that have fought alongside them for years here. But the other thing about it, especially if you have watched The Clone Wars, which it's been a while, so yes, you should be watching or <laughs> should have watched The Clone Wars. It's easily accessible now on Disney+. Plus. Go watch The Clone Wars if you have not watched it. There, that's out of the way. We have to meet now, our quota every episode. Yes, exactly. Uh, anyway, one of the things about it is The Clone Wars... Uh, through a large majority of their episodes, goes through and tries to show these clones that they're not just, you know, the um, the creation from DNA from Django Fett that they're just out there to fight this war. And it individualizes uh, many of them. We get to learn their names. We get to see their different personalities. It really builds on that throughout the series, and then in a stroke, just by the saying, execute. Order 66. That is all taken away from them completely. All their own individuality is completely stripped of them. They are now good soldiers following orders to do the quote. <laughs> they have to do exactly what they're said. It complete, while they still may, you know, you may see some of that individuality with them, they are not possible to do their own free thinking uh because of that inhibitor chip and it, it's really really heartbreaking to think about that yeah and i mean they express that through everything from their hairstyles to, to how they decorate their armor uh you know they really did individualize themselves and and make themselves as unique as they possibly could all being from one genetic template uh and likewise i mean these in many many cases uh the difference between the clone troopers and the battle droids, I mean, they were all essentially being manufactured to fight this war. But, uh, you know, there were certainly Jedi generals that treated their troops as though they were just an expendable resource. But many generals uh, that we saw, Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and all of these Jedi who had had built these relationships with the clone troopers that they served with in and out of all these different conflicts that they were involved in, uh, you know, they ultimately not only get, get murdered, but they get murdered by the people who they had the closest relationships with. And that kind of takes that, that betrayal and that tragedy, uh, to the next level. And certainly having the, the free will of these clone troopers, they, you know, in many cases, they would have never chosen to do this, uh, of their own free will. They were forced to do that. They had it stripped from them and, uh, essentially kind of lived as slaves from that point on, uh, in service to the empire. Yeah, it's it's really heart wrenching to think about. Uh, I mean, if you, I went back before we 
watch, uh, before we recorded this episode and just watched uh, the last couple episodes of season seven, you know, from when Order 66 basically strikes. And uh, just to see, you know, the interaction between Ahsoka and Captain Rex and Jesse and some of these, you know, and, and, and the feeling that is involved with them, it really is heart. It's heartbreaking to, to know this, you know, and even Ahsoka, you know, during that, she's like, look, you know, they're trying to kill us. I know, but we are not going to kill them because this is not their fault. Right. I, we know what's going on now. We are not. So we're going to do whatever we can. They may die today, but it wasn't going to be because of Ahsoka and Rex, uh, at least directly. You're a good soldier, Rex. So is every one of those men down there. They may be willing to die, but I am not the one who is going to kill them. It was, you know, it just showed how much, even despite this, knowing that they were out there trying to kill them, that how much they fell in love and appreciated. And the other thing about it is, you know, just a couple episodes before that, they had painted all their masks in that group to have especially Ahsoka's uh, tint on her face, you know? Yeah. And so they're there firing at Ahsoka with masks that have that paint, you know, that were, you know, to basically be a tribute to being happy to have Ahsoka back within the fold. They shouldn't salute me anymore. Not since I left the Order. It doesn't matter to them. It's a sign of respect. They know what you went through for them day after day, battle after battle. Loyalty means everything to the clones. Rex and the guys knew you were back, they got to work. The paint job's a little crude, but we think it gets the idea across. Glad to have you back, Commander. Rex, thank you. But you don't have to call me Commander anymore. Sure thing. Commander, and, and uh, you know, it was an expression of their respect for her. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because you know you think about the scene with Luke Skywalker and Palpatine. You know, they're on the in the throne room on the Death Star, and Luke telling Palpatine, "Your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours." And that was essentially the same theme that we we're dealing with here. The Jedi had ultimate and utter faith in the clone troops that they served with, and that faith uh, is essentially what he leveraged uh, to kill off the Jedi Order. Now, certainly we know that there are uh, a handful of Jedi and, and former members of the Jedi Order that were able to uh, survive Order 66, but those who died, as you pointed out, you know, that montage we see in uh, Revenge of the Sith where you see, you know, Isla Secura and um, 
Plo Koon and the various other members of the Jedi Order, especially the members of the of the Jedi High Council, uh, kind of being killed in all these faraway places. That was another part of Palpatine's plan was to take the strongest Jedi and have them kind of all separated, all in these far flung areas of the galaxy, uh, while he was consolidating his power base there on Coruscant, and you know, essentially having the newly minted Darth Vader uh, go and clear out the Jedi temple you know we have to assume that yeah there were certainly jedi in the jedi temple but most of the most powerful jedi masters had been uh deployed to various areas of the galaxy and that was no accident that was certainly part of palpatine's plan yeah the long game all the way through he played it masterfully um you know even just the fact that they the the jedi were blinded by the whole thing i mean not that they didn't get glimpses of it here and there they knew there was something kind of going on but they could never really put their finger on it and uh it was just played brilliantly uh, but tragically at the same time for sure yeah and uh certainly in the aftermath of order 66 there was a, a lot of interesting things that occurred uh again uh a close a close personal friend to those of us here at the jedi temple archives uh master joe Castanew was one of the the Jedi who did escape the purge. Uh, she was able to record a lot of, of lost information on holocrons and essentially try to ensure that uh, the Jedi Order could hopefully be uh, brought back at some later point. Uh, and there were a number of other Jedi. Fortunately, we were able to see a little of, of uh, Jedi Padawan Caleb Doom there at the beginning of Bad Batch. Bad Batch also has been addressing kind of some of the uh, you know the straggler issues that uh, we see with the Bad Batch themselves and the fact that they had uh, chips implanted in their heads that did not trigger uh, or did not successfully trigger during Order 66. So it, this is still an issue that's being dealt with within the Star Wars, uh, you know, within canon right now and within some of these shows that are current. And uh, it's it just goes to show how far reaching the impacts of Order 66 were. Right. And we also knew that uh, obviously we this is going to be spoilers if you haven't watched the Clone Wars yet, so just be prepared for that. But Clone Wars Season 7, that Ahsoka is able to get the chip out of uh, out of Captain Rex, and basically they were both able to escape. And then uh, somehow, and we, I don't think we've seen this in story yet, except for that we know it happened, that uh, Rex was able to associate himself with a, a couple of other clones and be able to get the chip out of them as well. And they kind of went off and did their own thing for a while. I hope eventually we get to hear a little bit more of their backstory during that time uh, between Clone Wars and Rebels and how mm -hmm. that all happened. Yep, Gregor and Wolf, I believe, right? Yep, yep. Gregor and Wolf, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, certainly, and these are questions, right? These are things that uh, that we kind of wondered when we saw these characters in, in Star Wars Rebels. How did they manage to get these chips removed? We've had one of the three. Uh, we've had that story be told, but I would expect that the way Lucasfilm is going these days, I, I fully expect that we're going to see some of that information come back full circle as well. So uh, any other any other items you want to bring up with regard to Order 66 specifically? No, I mean, I think we've really covered it. It was, you know, it was a brilliant play by the Sith, by Palpatine, playing the long game as always, but the tragedy behind it. And I think that we focus so much on the tragedy of the Jedi within this. And absolutely. Um, but um, they were kind of, they, they fell because of their own arrogance in many regards, you know, and that's, it's hopefully if we ever get to see a Jedi order rebuilt again, that they can look back on the issues that they had in the past and, and kind of keep away from some of these troubles and maybe look at someone like Ahsoka Tano and what she learned and how she uh, grew into the future and, you know, understood 
that there's compassion, there's use for um, attachment, there is use for, you know, not necessarily having to be strictly to the Jedi order to get things done and still be a good person, be the light side of the, uh, the Jedi. But also, we, you know, we discussed it here, uh, the tragedy that is behind all these clones. You fall in love with these clones in, in, uh, cl- in the Clone Wars, uh, many of them that you see in many different episodes. And to see them just completely stripped of their free will is, is tragic on its own. Yeah. Again, it was one of the one of the great things about how it was all presented within the show. Um, you would be hard pressed to uh, to not feel some uh, some sympathy for these clone troopers. Uh, certainly, the more you've seen uh, of the Clone Wars, the more you're going to feel that sympathy. But uh, again, it was really a wonderful story, wonderful job storytelling, um, and it really did a great job of kind of enhancing. As we've always said, I mean, these animated series. Uh, do a great job of taking the emotion that is that is generated by the films themselves and amplifying it many many fold because you have a deeper attachment to these characters uh, and even without that I mean you feel some of that within Revenge of the Sith itself yeah I mean I think oh Revenge of the Sith tears me up. I can barely watch it because that, <laughs> that movie just tears me up so much but um, the fact is that when you're going from a somewhere between a two to three hour film there's only so much you can put in there some of these series and we're seeing this now also you know branching out of the star wars universe into the marvel universe some of these things where they can really delve more deeply in a full range series behind some of these characters and mm-hmm. you can find out more about them and get more of their backstory rather than trying to pack it all into a two-hour movie um so it's it's really a great way to explore these things and you know the fact that we have an avenue like disney plus and some of these other streaming services out there now that we can really get engaged with these and tell different stories that maybe don't fit necessarily within a two-hour movie uh, is really it's excellent, and I'm I'm enjoying uh, most of them so far. Yeah, and I would say that certainly within within the realm of Star Wars, I mean, we know that we've got Kenobi coming down the pike. We know we have Cassian, uh, Andor the the Andor series that's going to be delving more into his character in K2SO and kind of that uh, you know darker side of the rebellion itself, uh, and just the idea you know the the Ahsoka uh, show that's supposed to be coming out, another character that I think we're very excited to see more of. So. It's going to be great when these shows start coming out. Uh, looking forward to Mandalorian season three, seeing what they do there. But uh, in the meanwhile, you know, there's uh, with regard to Bad Batch. I mean, I don't know how how far people have gotten into it. Um, I just got caught up last night. It definitely has its its high points. Um, it's a little bit. Uh, it's not resonating with me quite as strongly as some of the other animated content, the the, the Clone Wars uh, and Star Wars Rebels at this point. But you know, there's definitely some gems in that series, uh, and you do get some back some background on a lot of little fun uh, kind of tidbits. You know, where did Jabba get his rancor? Um, that it gets addressed within an episode. So. You know, uh, I take it for what it's worth. It's not 100% my speed, but uh, by the same token, there's definitely some value to it in terms of getting some additional Star Wars lore. I've enjoyed it. I feel it's it's definitely kind of lighter Star Wars fare. You know, it's not getting into a lot of depth um, behind, behind a lot of these characters. Maybe it will eventually. Maybe it's just kind of building to that. But, you know, it's Star Wars content in a period that we don't know a lot about. So I, I'm taking it for what it is. 
going along with the ride. And just in, I'm glad that we have some new Star Wars content that's coming out to us uh, weekly through this. And uh, I'm looking forward to this year. I think through Disney Plus has been the year of Marvel. I think next year is going to be the year of Star Wars back on Disney Plus again. Bring it on. I'll take all they can give me. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, before we uh, go ahead and wrap it for the day, I did send you a question that we had received from one of the uh, one of our listeners, uh, Adam Williams, and he was kind enough to shoot a message to me. And his question was essentially uh, trying to understand a little bit better the idea of how the timelines work within Star Wars, uh, primarily because you know it always gets mentioned that uh, you know it's been this way for a thousand years and other similar types of conversation or description. Uh, but when you think about how we measure time here, it's based on the rotation of the Earth on its axis and the revolution around the sun is what dictates our days and our years. Uh, and certainly with a galaxy, you know, with millions of planets in the galaxy, uh, you're going to have variation between that. And is that something that is just kind of dumbed down for a Star Wars listener or reader or viewer? Uh, or is there some sort of explanation to that? So, um the other thing that he brought up was, you know, that with uh, Coruscant being such an important planet, uh, that his assumption was that most planets would simply follow its timetables for the uh, sake of efficiency. But he was just curious if there was anything within canon uh, that had explained this. And I don't know about you, Tom, but I am not familiar with anything in canon personally. Uh, but I do agree that that there does have to be some sort of galactic standard in order for you know them to be able to manage the galaxy. Uh, as part of you know the the Galactic Senate and to plan anything, I would imagine they have to have some sort of standard timetable. Right. I I be, I have not seen anything in canon to officially lay this out there, but I you know I think it's it's they're simplifying things because it could be. Cra- I mean, we're talking about so many thousands of systems. Like you're going to try and figure out what it's tough enough to figure out what system you're on sometimes, but to figure out what calendar, what clock you're on, what year, whatever it is, uh, that can be difficult enough. But I I agree with you, Rob, and and uh, his point in the email as well that it would make sense that since that is basically the the capital. The center point of the uh, the galaxy that basically would base, be based on Coruscant time, kind of like Greenwich Mean Time or something yeah. along those lines. And that maybe when you get out to you know some of the other areas, that maybe their own systems. Yes, we, we recognize that this is the time basis for anybody who's coming and visiting us that they'll understand but we have our kind of our own calendar here as well um just it doesn't get brought up much but uh, very interesting you know it's kind of like it reminds me of like when i've been on cruises before and they'll remind you sometimes when you go on ports be sure your your watch is set to the cruise ship time because it's not necessarily the port's time because we don't right. bother to change the clock. It may be an hour difference if you're in Canada. Sometimes it's a half hour difference, which whatever that's about, Charles. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, so, you know, it, it's kind of something along those lines, I would assume. So, you know, if you're if you are out there on one of these galactic star cruisers visiting other system, you better stay on Coruscant time because you, you might miss that flight out to Tatooine or to Naboo or wherever it may be right or uh to batu which you really don't yeah. want to do uh especially if you've managed to procure a rise of the resistance uh, boarding time so 
yeah, make sure your clock reservation. Oh. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that window for sure. Exactly. So yeah, I thought it was a great question. Certainly, you know, it's it's one of those kind of uh, world building mechanics type things, and I'm surprised I don't I don't really hear anyone talk about stuff like that. Uh, but it's certainly something that uh, that you should at least give a little bit of thought to. I think it's interesting, and I really appreciate Adam reaching out with that question, and hopefully our uh, our response, which is the best we've got, uh, is going to be good enough for you. So if we if we run across anything that uh, changes our mind about it, I'll definitely reach out to you and let you know. Uh, but Tom, thank you so much once again for joining me to talk about yet another fun Star Wars topic. Uh, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you and Michelle? Oh, thank you, Rob. It's always a pleasure, and we appreciate uh, being invited once again back into the Jedi Temple archives. It's it's always a great time uh, getting a chance to talk Star Wars with you. I love it to death, and I'm so glad that we have gotten back to it. Now, as far as the podcast that I do with my wife, uh, Michelle, we mostly focus on Disney-related content. We do talk Star Wars. We talk Marvel. We talk about the parks. We talk about the cruise line. And if you want to find us there, we're called the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. We're on most of your podcatchers. However, uh, the best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter, at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And we do also have a YouTube channel. You can just do a search for Hyperion Adventures Podcast, hit subscribe, and you'll know whenever we have a new video there. Absolutely, and uh, my wife and I also do a Star, I mean, a, a Disney podcast. Uh, it's the Hoopty Duo Disney Review Show. You can find that on any of your podcatchers at Hoopty Duo. Uh, we don't just review Disney; we review Disney or uh, Universal, anything that we do down in the Orlando area, which is typically where we go on vacation. Uh, but really, any of our vacations that we go on, we will uh, we'll come back and we'll do reviews on the various things to do in those areas. So hopefully, you know, we definitely do a lot of, of Disney, and we've gotten into a lot more universal uh so we know those areas pretty well and hopefully the things that we throw out there will help you with planning your trip or your next vacation but with regard to the jta podcast uh as tom said also on any podcatcher uh best place to find us is at jtapodcast.com and uh, you can reach out to us via email as adam did at jtapodcast at gmail.com and on twitter pinterest and instagram we can be reached at jta podcast on facebook we're jta podcast one uh so working on getting that that name back or that uh that at uh name back as quickly as i can but for the time being that's going to be our variant so again tom thanks so much for coming on and for the rest of you we look forward to getting another episode out for you in about two weeks until then may the force be with you 